Ladies and gentlemen, in my visiting with everyone uh, this uh, after this evening, as you all were coming in, I neglected to grab the portable mic. Um, so can you all hear me okay from the pulpit mic here? Okay. I mean, I mean, they're making it available, so you tell me, y'all. I know some of you that were the hearing impaired stuff near that, but I don't see that tonight. So are we okay here if I just kind of stand in front? Everybody? Okay. All right. Thank you very much then. Beloved, I um, want to talk tonight about uh, hopefully an uplifting type of lesson. Um, <clears throat> and if you uh, are familiar with the Old Testament, you know where this comes from. But the title, What Is That in Your Hand?, which is from Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, and God is talking to Moses, and we're going to be looking at that. And, and the reason I want to do this lesson is, is if you're in leadership position, whether it's trying to get people to lead singing or teach a Bible class or, or the elders trying to recruit somebody for a particular ministry, you know, uh, you, you hear a lot of uh, things, you know, you, you hear a lot today uh, about people that say, well, you know, I just can't do much or, or, or uh, you know, I'm, I'm not worth much or I'm too inadequate or I, 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 uh, I don't have much to offer, you know, I'm not very talented person or i'm just the wrong person for the job and you need to get somebody else others would say brother green you know i'm just kind of average or ordinary or that sort of thing and and people would say then sometimes along the lines of i wish i was more like in their name a brother or sister in christ that maybe are a little further down the road spiritually speaking than they are at that point and and so uh we we get to feeling that way brothers and sisters but and i think and and this isn't you know a um, uh, delving, you know, deep. Yeah, there could be ten different reasons for the reason somebody feels a particular way. But I think, in general, these feelings arise because we trust and rely too much on ourselves. Would you agree with that? I know that's when I find myself getting in trouble. Is when I, when when I forget who's in charge, so to speak, and and by ourselves, brothers and sisters. The Bible says, and we've had a lesson on this in the past. The Bible says we can't do much. Okay? We, we can't do a whole lot when we're by ourselves. Jesus said that, didn't he, in John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We understand that, don't we, brothers and sisters? Um, by ourselves, we can't do a whole lot. So we forget sometime, I think, as Christians, that God is in control. I mean, we know that biblically speaking. We know that as a doctrine or a teaching of the Bible, but I think... We forget in our, in our lives, in our everyday living, that, that God is the one that's in control, that God is in, in charge, and that as such, being an all-powerful, almighty God, uh, you know, that speaks the universe into existence, that he can take seemingly insignificant things and people and do great things through them. God specializes in doing that, brothers and sisters. And so what we need to do, I believe, as Christians in our journey, is to learn to trust God and to have faith in him, and to lean on him, and and God is our power source. We need to understand that, so we've got to plug into the power source. Because as John 15, 5 says, apart from God, we can do nothing. But brethren, the Bible doesn't just stop there. I love the way it does go on to say, as Paul says in a Philippian jail, in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now there's the key, and we see the comparison. John 15, verse 5, without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. But Paul says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that with Christ, he can do all things. 
through Christ who strengthens him. And so that much makes the difference, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, that is the difference the Lord makes. I had put down there a difference, and I, and I changed that, because that God is not a difference. He is the difference. He is the ultimate difference. And Ephesians 3.20 talks about the strength that's available. Paul, This is the prayer that Paul begins to, to pray, and he's getting down towards the end of the prayer, and he says uh, about God's people, about his church, now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. That power is from God. Beloved, we can do far beyond anything, any dreams we have, anything we can ask, anything we can think. In our human ability, in our flesh right now, God can do so much more than that, as has been shown from Genesis to Revelation for our learning. We can be used by God in a powerful way. And what I want us to do, um, brethren, is, is look at some, what I consider more in, uh, some encouraging biblical examples of God using small things to accomplish great things and to accomplish his will um, because as the prophet says, God's will ultimately will be done. And so the question is, are we as his people going to allow him to work through us? Moses didn't want to at the beginning. In, Mo in Exodus 3 verse 4, I'm sorry, Exodus chapters 3 and 4, we're going to be looking at you all wonder, you know the story how God gets uses a small thing, a burning bush, to get Moses' attention so that he would come over and see what's going on, and God speaks through him to him through the burning bush. And Moses, brethren, has been a shepherd for forty years, and God says to this man, Look, I'm going to use you to go back to Egypt, which of course he had to flee because he it was known that he committed murder. And he said, I'm going to send you back to the country, basically where you're wanted for murder, and, and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt, Egyptian bondage and to freedom and to the promised land. And Moses, brothers and sisters, in chapter 3 and 4, for most of those two chapters, he makes all kind of excuses as to why he could not do that, and he explains that to God. He is inadequate in his mind. You ever feel that way? You see, uh, Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and talking about that when he said that Mo, when Moses killed the, the guard, uh, the Egyptian taskmaster who was beating an, a fellow Israelite, that he thought at that time that God was going to use him to, to lead the Egyptians, or the, I'm sorry, the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. And, but uh, what happens? He spends 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd caring for sheep. And brethren, shepherds are not warriors, Right? And, and so God tells him what he's going to do. And, and the first thing he says in chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel to Egypt? He, I am a shepherd, and, and I'm going to the most powerful man on the face of the earth at this time with this tremendous army, and I'm going to go and stand before this man and say, Hey, the people that run your economy, all your slaves, all these Israelites, you let them go. Moses is thinking from his human thinking, as we think from our human minds, you know. Oh, no, I, you know, I can't do this. I'm not some kind of a superhero. I'm no incredible hulk or anything like that. That's the way we think sometimes, right, brethren? Moses is thinking like, God, you have got the wrong man. Uh, this can't be me. And so God, every time, brethren, God takes an excuse out of it. Wait, we're going to see that. In chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he goes on to say, 
what if they will not believe me or listen to me? What I say, for they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses said, I'm just one guy going up there. I'm a shepherd for all things. They're not going to believe me. What authority do I have? I don't have any, any you know, uh, ability to go before these people and say, oh, yeah, this man has tremendous authorities. He said, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to what I say. Brethren, notice all the personal pronouns here. Who am I? They won't believe me. They won't listen to what I say. And, you know, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, he goes on. And each time as you read the whole um, two chapters, God tells him what he's going to do and how he's going to work. And, and then he says in verse 13, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, he's begging now, right? He wants out of this, okay? Um, verse 11, please. Okay? I, I know that thing jumps ahead, y'all. I'm not, I'm not being critical. It does that. Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speak and slow of tongue. One guy said he must have been from down south. Uh, but, uh, but brethren, he says, you know, if you're going to go as a spokesperson for God, you've got to be a good, quote, spokesperson, right? You need to be eloquent. You you can't be this, you know, as we would say in our modern vernacular, backwoods country boy, you know, that don't even speak good English, so to speak. And, and Moses said, I'm not, I'm not that. I don't speak good. I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent. Um, some uh, scholars even uh, surmise that he had some kind of a speech impediment. And, um, and so then God takes care of that. And then verse 13, okay, but he said, he, he's, at this point, he's out of excuses, brethren, that from chapter 3 to this point in chapter 4. And he just basically says, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. What Moses doesn't realize at this point, brothers and sisters, is that God is sending the message by whomever he will. And that messenger is going to be Moses. But Moses doesn't see it that way. So what does God do? When it, why does he start this? When Moses first begins, brothers and sisters, verse 2 of, of, um, of uh, um, Ephesians. I probably put that down. <laughs> and uh, what, is, what does God say to him? What is that in your hand? What, Moses? What is that in your hand? What did Moses have in his stand, brethren? Y'all know the story, right? A shepherd's staff. A rod or a staff, depending on your version of the Bible. And, and God says to him, what's he tell him to do? Throw that rod on the ground. Moses is probably maybe thinking at this point, what is the, what's going on here? God knows what a shepherd's staff is, you know. He throws it on the ground, and when he throws it on the ground, what happens? It becomes a snake, not a dead snake, a living, moving snake. Okay, the Bible says Moses flees from it, okay? And God says, pick it back up. Now, now, there's a faith, because we read that it didn't become a staff again until Moses picked it back up. And so he picks it back up. Brethren, in our mind, we would think, oh, that seals it. That seals it. God performed a certified miracle in front of Moses, and, that, and Moses should have said at that point, okay, okay, God, I understand. I see what you're saying. You can use anybody, anything, even a shepherd's staff to do your will, and, and that's, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all the way. It took a while to convince him of that, as it does with uh, us human beings sometimes, brothers and sisters, but uh, this was nothing but a shepherd's staff, a rod, a fancy stick, really, you know, but when given into the service of God, it becomes famous, right? We, we're studying about it tonight, all these years later. Brothers and sisters, the lesson here, I think, is that God used the things that Moses already had, and that's what we need to do. Begin where you're at, right? Begin where you're at. 
I was at this meeting one time. It was an elders, preachers type meeting, how to be uh, better leaders in the church and that sort of thing. And it, and it was by some men that you, I mean, preachers and elders that you just admired greatly. And, and, and I was saying to another preacher friend of mine who was much older than me, and all these people were older and had been in the ministry for a long time. I'd only been in for a few years. And man, I was just almost on the verge of tears. And I said, whoa, I, man, I, if I could ever preach like those guys, oh, my goodness, they just hold you on the edge of their seat and 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 if i could only preach like that and, I, and my buddy who's a lot older and been preaching for a long time he poked me and laughed kind of sarcastically he said yeah yeah you only been preaching a few years you should expect to be at the same level they are after preaching for 50 and 60 years some of them you know and and he kind of helped me understand that but then we got to begin where we're at right we've got to begin there and that's what god is saying to moses give me what you have give me if it's nothing more than a shepherd's rod then give me that shepherd's rod, and you let me do what I specialize in doing, brothers and sisters. And, and so we give God what we've got, as we're going to see in these next few illustrations, and uh, then God will provide us with the means to carry out his will and his commands, as he did through Moses, to live the kind of life that we need to live in Christ, as we mentioned this morning in John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I want you to have the abundant life, and we'll be able to overcome, as the Bible says, through Christ. So this is the lesson, I think, there. What is that in your hand, Moses? What is that in your hand? And then we see the second example, brethren, and very short example, as a matter of fact, in, Ju in Judges 3.31, okay, Shamgar. Y'all know who Shamgar is, right? Very famous guy. And he was one of the judges of Israel. And after him came Shamgar, Shamgar the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Brethren, the Philistine was known as a fighting force. They had a good army. These were not novices. And he took on 600 of them with an ox goad. Now, we use ox goads every day, right? So I'm sure you all know what they are. You know, an ox goad was simply a stick. It could be shorter or longer, just depending on the, the person that was working with the oxen. They would usually make their own. Sometimes it was as simple as a stick that was four to six feet long and that they had sharpened off with a, with a good tip. Other times they would find a limb with a knot in it from some kind of something that caused the knot, and they would pick, put shards of flint or metal in it, you know, that was sharp. And so they would use either one of those, either by hitting or by poking. And, and what they would do would make that ox go, okay, um, when he didn't want to. And, and so basically a, a fancy stick, okay, that had been used or shaped to, to, to be used for that purpose as an ox goat. And here's a guy single-handedly, we say single-handedly, of course, God working in him, of course, we understand that, uh, who struck down 600 Philistines with that ox goat. Brethren, that is something else, okay? There's not much else re recorded about him, uh, about Shangar in the Bible. Deborah mentions him in what's called the Song of Deborah in her uh, victory song. Uh, in one sentence, uh, you know, Shamgar would probably be what we would call, quote, a pretty average guy. Not in the headlines a lot, you know, not mentioned uh, in the Bible much at all, yet because he was willing to use what he had for God, which admittedly was not much, he, as the Bible says here in our text, saved Israel and is now recorded perpetually in the Bible for our example. 
I wonder if he realized that, as we, and we say this, this is a saying that's around and has been for a long time, that one man in God is a majority. Brethren, I would like to uh, just, just tweak that a little bit. Uh, God is the majority, and he uses men. He uses women. He uses his children in order to do his will. So as God uses us, then we, of course, become a part of his majority. I kind of liken us to the... And there's a little story about the elephant and a mouse crossing this old rickety, uh, half-rotten wooden bridge over a big ravine, and it was kind of precarious, and they get to the other side, and the little mouse gets to us like this and says to the elephant, we sure shook that bridge, didn't we? <laughs> um, brethren, I think, uh, you know, God uses us in that way. He's like a shamgar, okay? And then thirdly, the boy David, not even an adult yet. God used David in powerful ways throughout his life. He also punished him when he needed it. But here's a boy that has a sling, 1 Samuel 17. And you all been taught this from little children up for the most part, the story of David. Um, and, and so what does he do? He goes to take some food into his brothers and to check on them, as his daddy tells him to do. And, and he's a shepherd boy. In fact, he come in out of the field, had to leave the sheep to go to the battlefield. And he's not an experienced soldier by any stretch of the imagination. He was just a shepherd boy that had a great faith in his heavenly father. Everybody else was afraid. Goliath had been coming out for several days. And, and challenging the armies of Israel, send a man out. Whoever wins, you serve. We serve the one, the, the winner. The losers serve the winners. You know, and and everyone was afraid. The Bible says, except little old David. And you wonder why? Because he had faith that God could work through the smallest and most in, um, inexperienced boy in the camp. I think he says that in this. This he expresses that in this. First Samuel seventeen forty seven. Now he's talking to Goliath. And he says in his speech to Goliath, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or fear, I'm sorry, sword or spear, but for the battle is the Lord's. See, David didn't one time ever come out and say, I'm going to whoop you, Goliath. I'm going to knock you. He said, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And you know what happened, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. You know, he took a small sling, which again, it would be considered like the ox goat or, or Moses' staff, an insignificant type thing, and, and a few stones, you know, out of the brook. But when used in the service of God, it was the means of gaining a great victory. God used David. Why, brethren? Why a little shepherd boy and not the seasoned soldiers in that army? Because it was David who was willing to give what he had, even though it seemed insignificant compared to what many of the soldiers would have had in their experience. He gave God what he had, and God used that in a powerful way to give Israel, his people, a victory that day, and of course to eventually cause David to be a king of Israel. All right, number four, let's move into the New Testament, okay? Young boy, we don't even know his name. Is that uh, John 6, verses 5 through 14? You, you know, Jesus is preaching. There was a great crowd. Jesus says, 
what are we going to do to feed these? And, and, and Philip said, you know what, the, the money we have here, Lord's not enough to feed so many people. And, 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 and so, so another come to him and said, you know what, there's a little boy here. He has five loaves of barley bread and, and, and uh, you know, a couple of fish, you know. And, and Jesus said, have everybody sat down. And they did. And Jesus prayed. And he multiplied it to feed 5,000 people and then took 12 basket loads up of leftovers. Brothers and sisters, I've heard preachers preach on this and say little things given to a big God can be multiplied to become great. And that's the lesson, isn't it? That's the truth. We may be the little boy in our talents or our abilities. We may only have, you know, uh, just a, a small meal that, you know, mama packed to send, give to the little boy to take out that day, you know, and that wasn't going to last very long. And Jesus takes it and gives thanks over it and multiplies it to where it fed a ton of people. Again, people say, well, Brother Green, I just don't have much to offer to the Lord. Then give what you do have, brothers and sisters, and give it to God and watch God multiply it for you. That's the most wonderful thing about serving our Heavenly Father, brothers and sisters. I have experienced this in my life, and I've seen it in other people's life, that you give God whatever you have, not how, how, how insignificant it may seem to you, how small it may seem to you, and God is specialist. He specializes in multiplying it in a marvelous way. Brothers and sisters, you give it to God and watch Him multiply it, you know. Um, small child just is basically his lunch, you know, uh, maybe enough in there for a couple of meals, and that was it, and Jesus feeds. Jesus takes what we have, God takes what we have, and he multiplies it. You're seeing the theme here. Um, the, the next one tonight is the poor widow with what's called two mites. Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44 and he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Brethren, God sees what we give. <laughs> to some, that's encouraging. To others, that ought to get your attention. And many rich people were putting in large sums. Now, now Jesus expected that because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required, and that we're to give according to how we prosper. So, so rich folk are naturally able to give more because they have more. Okay. But, but here's what he notices, the contrast. A poor widow came up and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent, um, calling his disciples to him. See, that impressed Jesus, beloved. He said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. You say, Lord, that's not good math. Obviously, if a rich guy can put in what we would equivalent uh, say today would be in our modern uh, coinage thousands of dollars and here comes somebody else and throws in a couple of cents obviously there's a discrepancy there right i mean you know and and so so how can she give more than all the rest combined how can she do that jesus says for they all put in out of their surplus well they had left over right but she out of her poverty, she didn't have any surplus, brethren, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now, that's faith. She gave it all. Wasn't much compared to those much larger sums, but Jesus' way of reckoning is different than mankind. 
He said, that lady who gave the least financially speaking, uh, gave more than all the rest. Beloved, isn't that a marvelous illustration? I like that. I, I really do love that. People often say, brothers and sisters or, or preacher or elder or whoever, I can't give or do as much as so-and-so, so why should I try Brethren, even if you're a little bit, even if your two coins don't come near the to what the, quote, more talented person may have, it could very well be more to God because the more talented person may not be giving their all to God. And if you're giving your all to him, then he says you're giving more. Someone has said a little given a lifetime is much more than much given occasionally. Give your all to God and give your all to God constantly. People will say sometimes, if I just had this or that or, you know, don't be concerned so much, brothers and sisters, of what you don't have. Give God 100% of what you do have, and then he will bless you tremendously, won't he? Brethren, he takes what we give him. It may seem little in our sight, but to God it's a tremendous amount. And then we'll close tonight. What about your life? What about your life? You know, would you consider yourself in the, in the proximity of, of some of these folk we've talked about, you know? Um, look at what, how Paul describes um, his fellow brethren and himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Paul's basically saying in our modern vernacular, y'all just a bunch of average folk, you know? <laughs> Uh, don't have any, quote, superstars here, you know. And, and yet he goes on to say, but you know what? God has chosen to use the foolish things of the world to do his will. And, and, and that's the whole thing. And then he describes himself in chap, chapter 2, verses 1 through and 3. He did not consider himself some, quote, super apostle. He was falsely accused that by that some of his enemies. But Paul never saw himself that way, brothers and sisters. He said, when I came to you, talking about the church at Corinth, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom from claiming to you the testimony of God. He said, he said I came, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. He said, I was not adequate to the task. But yet, brethren, we know that God used the Apostle Paul and, and others with him that went to, at that time, we, in our modern vernacular, we would probably say the San Francisco of its day, and, 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 and built and, and converted many, many people and built a dynamic church there for the Lord and God working through this person that considered himself as weak and in fear and much trembling. Brethren, God specializes in doing that, okay? So then, even though your life, you may seem little and insignificant before God, at least in your mind, it becomes of great value when you give it to God. You know, do that, brothers and sisters. Sometimes you say, well, brother, to be quite honest, there are times in my life when I kind of feel useless or in a, wor a rut or, or worthless or insignificant. Sometimes I just feel like a failure. I think, man, what in the world does God want to have to do with me to begin with? Brothers and sisters, if you really want to make your life count and have purpose and meaning and, and, and to, to do God's will, and, you know, and to live that abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, what you have to do, what each and every one of us has to do is surrender your life to Christ. Give your all to him. Not half, not 80%, not 90%. Give your all to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. 
however little or insignificant you may think it is. And you see from these examples tonight, and obviously that's not all of them, but give it to God. I want us to have the attitude of the Apostle Peter. Uh, the church is growing. This is early on in the book of Acts, brothers and sisters, and, and there's, an, there's a beggar, and he's out there, and he's begging for money, which is all the only means of income a beggar had in that day, and, and for the most part. And so, and so he's begging for money, and, 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 and Peter gets his attention, or, and, and it says he's, he looks up expecting to receive some money because that's, that's what his purpose for being there was. Peter says to him, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. And, and, and we know Peter was blessed by the Holy Spirit to be able to work miracles, so he says in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk, and the man did. And so here's the principle. We can't give what we don't have. Brother, Peter acknowledged that. I, I, don't, I don't have silver or gold. I, I, don't, I don't have that to give you, but what I do have, I, I'll give to you. Brethren, I want us to have that attitude with our Heavenly Father. He's given us His all. And, and so we can, say, you, you know, we, can say, we can say honestly before the Lord, not trying to put ourselves down, brothers and sisters, but we can say honestly, truthfully before the Lord God, when it comes to what you can do, and you're up here and I'm down here in this sinful flesh, I can't do much and I don't have much to offer. And you know, God in His wonderful love and mercy and compassion simply says to us, just give me your all. Give me what you do have. And, and, and you watch and see how I can work through you in that way. Well, let's be determined to do that. Ask yourself tonight, what is in your hand? We all have something. The Bible, even, the, even in the parable of the talents, the one talent man had at least one talent. He had something. So what is it you got? The question is, will you give it to God? And let me say this as we close. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, God wants to take you. With all your weaknesses and your shortcomings and your problems, and, and you, say, you say, I'm not worthy to follow God. That's true of all of us. We're not. And, and, and we sing the song, Just As I Am. That's how we come to God. You give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself as you are. And then he will make you into a beautiful, complete child of his. If you're willing to repent of your sins, and confess Jesus to be your Lord and to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. The Bible says you arise from that watery grave of baptism, Romans 6, to walk in newness of life, having become a brand new creation, the old sinful person dead. You're in Christ. You've been added to his church. You're on your way to heaven. Give what you've got to the Lord. Beloved, if we'd all do that, God would work through us in a powerful, powerful way. That's my lesson this evening. Hope you've been blessed by it. If you do need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come now while we stand and sing.